Hello, everyone. Are you on your way to shift empty success into fulfillment? Welcome to Uplift My Life Today, the podcast. You are now in a safe place where we converse, explore, reflect, connect, and deep dive into our inner world together. Fulfillment always starts from within. Every conversation and discussion here is a journey, one that you will likely to continue even after the episode completes. My name is Astuti Marto Sudirjo. I am your host. And thank you for choosing to uplift your life today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Uplift My Life Today, the podcast. In the world of transforming empty success into fulfillment, I learned two main things in the process. The first is to equip ourselves with uplifting beliefs that is supporting us in manifesting what we wish to experience. And parallelly, We also need to let go, to clear, to clean all that does not serve us anymore. And this process, I term personally as decluttering, is bringing something in that is relevant and letting go something out that are no longer serving us. I have experienced that decluttering is to happen in many levels of our being, on the physical emotional, and spiritual level. Mari Diamond, one of the world-renowned Feng Shui teachers, said something that resonating so much with me. She said that our working and living space is our 3D vision board, and it influences our conscious and subconscious mind. They either can help us or block us. This podcast episode is about many aspects of excessive collecting, keeping, and letting go clutters. My guest speaker, Helena Zakariasen, and I will discuss why people collect and clutter, why it is difficult to let things go, especially when it comes to a family living space, and some tips that can help. Helena is the founder of my happy home. She is a Zurich-based certified Marie Kondo consultant and a lifestyle coach. Helena lovingly encourages and supports her clients in transforming their homes into havens of serenity. She helps them to learn how to maximize functionality and minimize clutter forever. The best person to have chat this with. Welcome, Helena. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Astuti. My pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. May we please start by getting to know you and your journey with decluttering. 
Yes, of course. So my name is Helena and I'm originally from Finland, uh, the Nordic country of pure, quiet and beautiful wilderness. Yes. So a total Scandi girl at heart <laughs> with a long and difficult to pronounce Danish Danish last name. And But I've been living abroad for a long, long time. Since 10 years, I live now in, uh, in Helleberg, close to Zurich, mm-hmm. with my husband and our two young children. And before that, I was in the corporate world, and that took me around the around Europe. And I lived in several countries, and uh, learned to speak many languages. And now I'm in the German-speaking part of Switzerland, and German is maybe the diff- most difficult language by far, I would say. Even French is easier, I feel. <laughs> French is easier for you. Yes, I spent a year as an exchange student in France, so I, I knew that language already. Oh my god. I think the older you get the harder it is to learn another language. I can con- I can concur to that. Yes. <laughs> so how I got to uh, my decluttering journey. That is um that is actually um it goes back a few years since when I had very small kids and uh, I was it almost took a burnout. Mm. It was really difficult to raise two kids uh, with a very limited network abroad. And um A childhood friend of mine introduced me to Marie Kondo and her book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. And then it took me a few years and I did my own journey, Mm. which uh, then intensely I worked on it for almost six months, I would say. Yeah. And it had so profound changes for both myself and my family so I decided this this has to there has to be more there there it was like a calling mm. um so I then decided to to do her training and then I became became a certified KonMari consultant in 2019 mm. and since then I work as a consultant combining uh, life coaching or lifestyle coaching yeah since this uh, training I already had so what I do with my clients is quite holistic and encompassing everything because we we go fairly deep it's not psycho- psychological in, in that sense but uh, it is a deep journey yeah. and everyone's journey is different and unique. Oh, absolutely absolutely I have gone through a number of this process myself and this is usually around the time when I made big decisions or life changing um, direction you know when I changed directions of life including in that is when I declutter my parents' home, both of them passed away and they've never decluttered the house for 40, probably 44 years by then. Wow. Yeah, that was intense. From that experience, I do learn a lot. That is not just about the space. It is so much more. So I can, I resonate a lot from what you just said about how you help your clients going through a deep journey as they are decluttering their space. Since the beginning of COVID-19 pandemic, do you see any change or patterns that come up in regards to people's collecting excessively their stuff? Well, I think one big thing that we all saw was uh, at the start of the pandemic when people started actually hoarding toilet paper and other basic supplies. Yes. And that was 
first I was thinking, well, that's quite interesting and unique. But on the other hand, it's actually very natural because mm -hmm. it's part of our, it's like a biological response because there's a, there's an anxiety that we're facing and a threat. Mm -hmm. And this panic buying, maybe you, you get a feeling of, of scarcity and that you wouldn't have enough. So you need to protect yourself and your family. And um, yeah, we live in, in mainly in a world of abundance, but but this threat, which was unknown, of we, we didn't have anything like this for, for years. Mm -hmm. And then there's a fear because the, the unknown, nobody knew what was coming. So mm -hmm. I think it, it was a natural reaction in the end. Mm -hmm. um, also to, to have uh, food supplies for weeks to come which mm -hmm. luckily we didn't need to get into that maybe. Yeah, but not, I think not in Switzerland. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. But yes, the stockpiling, the hoarding of, of these basic items is a natural reaction. And maybe also from another point of view, it can happen because of a herd instinct. You know, people follow the herd. You know, you see others are starting to panic by and maybe I should too. And this, I think, was one of the reasons why, why things were, were actually finished in the stores. You're absolutely right about that. It's a way of controlling the yeah. situation and have have something under control when you can't control the the big pandemic. Yeah. Without pandemic, is that the reason why people collecting excessively generally? If we look at like let's say normal, what is normal, you can always say, but I would say the usual collections that people have at their homes that could be anything from stamps to to dolls, to toys, to whatever. Um, I don't think that has increased as okay. such. I would say that might have increased maybe in terms of hobby, in terms mm -hmm. of having something to do at home. Mm -hmm. But I think the panic buying was mainly, it was it was something that came with that time. And I think it, it lessened because then the fear also vanished a little bit once yeah. we got to understand what we have in front of us. Yeah. Yeah. As you work with your clients, do you see any fundamental or main reasons why people collect and clutter? I think there are many reasons. Mm -hmm. The first thing, I mean, it starts when we're children. Your first collection is probably soft toys. Mm hmm or you have blankets that you love. And, and these are because we want to comfort ourselves. Yeah, safety, yeah. Safety, exactly. So, and this con continues when you're an adult as well. You know, you have grown guys who are collecting old cars, you know, just like they are small boys. So I think there's a connection, but it's an emotional one. Mm -hmm. So all of the collecting is about emotions. That is why we have clutter. Mm -hmm. Because we 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 need a connection. We're humans. So whether it's a it's a physical thing, an item, or whether it's um, a connection to a person, a relationship, we need this connection. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I I'm not an an expert on the topic, but maybe there are people who who have less personal relationships. Maybe they would have more things that they are collecting. Mm -hmm. This I don't know. Mm -hmm. But what I'm seeing is that. Most of my clients have the, the usual clutter, mm -hmm. and especially when they have children, that, of course, multiplies because it's the toys and it's the all the, you know, the clothing, the shoes, the everything, the all-day stuff. But, for example, from a client of mine, she 
she was not a shoe collector, mm -hmm. but she had a lot of shoes. Mm -hmm. And what we found in her basement were shoe boxes. Empty shoe boxes? Or? Empty shoe boxes. Okay. And she just didn't realize how many she had until we took them all out. And I think we found about 50 or even more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she was amazed at how much space she actually had. And she found things she didn't even remember she had. Mm -hmm. Which, of course, usually happens Yes, when you start decluttering and you find maybe things that you've been looking for for years, which was also the case with her. She found something sentimental that she had thought she had lost. Yeah, I, I find this collecting thing interesting. And I'm looking also at my son, who is now only five, and mm -hmm. he's very bad at letting things go. Mm. But we're practicing all the time. You know, like with drawings and all the gazillion craft and arts items that they bring home from kindergarten. My eight-year-old is already very good at it. But I think what you need to do is maintain this. Mm -hmm. When you, as an adult, as, as a parent, you show them with your example how to keep things tidy, which doesn't yeah. mean you can't have anything in your home. That is absolutely not what I'm uh, what I'm trying to say. I think the ideal amount of of uh, things very much differs to every person. Yeah. So what's ideal for me is very different to you or to someone else. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's an age thing as well. Small small children are not so good at that because they love everything they have. Yes. But once you start a comparison game with them, for example, and say, "Well, do you like this one more than this one?" then they are actually quite good at it. Mm. They're very good at saying, I actually like this blue car much better than the red one. Yeah. So why is that? Because you like blue? Yeah. So, you know, with kids, it's a little, little bit playing a game. Yeah. And see what it is actually yeah. holding. Why are they holding on to those things? How this speaks to me so profoundly, Helena, is decluttering is a life skill. Yes. That needs to be taught. Yes. Nobody taught me this when I was growing up. I was taught to keep things, to take care of things, but not let them go. That's what I was taught. What I'm hearing from you now is to keep the things you, you like, but also to let go that you don't need or you don't, that, that doesn't serve you anymore. And this is something that needs to be learned consistently. Until it yeah. becomes a habit, isn't it? Yes, that's very, very true. It, this is nothing we learn at school. Correct. And maybe our parents were not tidy or they were tidy and we can still be something completely different. Mm -hmm. But I think if we try with our children when they're young and we show them what it, what it means to have order and what it means to, to like your things and to take care of them, mm -hmm. because it's an act of love as well towards yourself. It's yeah. self-care. Yeah. If if you have a very untidy space and your your things are ripped or or you know you have holes in your clothes that's not really taking care of yourself. So it's all about you know respect for yourself and for your environment. It's mm -hmm. like we we teach our kids to take care of nature. Yeah. It's the same thing to take care of of your environment and your living spaces. Right. Education is key. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I actually wish they would talk about these things also in school. Yeah. Because the more people teach young kids, the more they learn. Yes. And it's easier to educate them at th that age. I remember when I was in kindergarten, we were taught how to throw 
things away in the garbage bin and not everywhere. And it doesn't take very long for everybody to get it because we were so open subconscious mind-wise. It's so easy to program these things. But of course, repetition by the teacher again and again and again. And after sometimes, it you just do it in the garbage bin and you get upset when thing, people throw things away, not in the garbage bin. So by the same yeah. principle, decluttering can also be educated in this way. Exactly. And also like in school, for example, caring about the classroom or how it looks or their own books or, you know, keeping everything in order so you can find them the next time you need them again. Yes, exactly. Tidy up together is more fun. It is actually. (laughs) You say, and I completely agree, that the amount of stuff and the kind of things you keep is differs from one person to another. Having said this, I think there is also a level of when this healthy collection becomes toxic collection. What could be some indicators when that we all can internalize within to see, okay, I'm getting now into the toxic area of collecting that I so that I can do something about it I think when it gets to a level where you feel the things are owning you ah okay instead of you owning them so if you feel like your walls are falling on top of you Mm -hmm. which if you have too much stuff for example that might be a good indication Mm -hmm. that maybe maybe the level is not so healthy anymore Mm-hmm. But usually when it comes to collecting, um, let's say we have people who collect things, like really a collection, an art collection, for example, mm-hmm. or stamp collection or whatever it is. I mean, these are organized in a very mm-hmm. profound matter. Mm-hmm. And usually they also display them very nicely in their homes and they're proud of them. Yeah. Because it's also, it also takes knowledge and they are learning things when they are doing this collecting hobby. Mm-hmm. On the other side, if you go to people who have might already have a signs of a hoarding disorder, mm-hmm. they actually excessively save items, useless items, mm-hmm. but they cannot let go of a single thing. But that is a big, there is a big difference mm-hmm. because the hoarders, they, they have an inability to actually make decisions, which means that is why they are not able to let go. I see. So their ability to comprehend what is there. Yeah. has become very minimized for one reason or another. Yeah. And this would require completely a different type of help, I, I suppose. Yes, that is actually a mental mental uh, disorder and that would need really professional um, help, professional yeah. uh, mental um, therapists. There is a therapy that is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, cognitive uh, behavioral therapy has mm-hmm. been proven to, to be helpful. But that is, that is definitely a different level when it right. comes to collecting. Yeah. Just on this point of uh, the people who enter into this toxic collection level up to the hoarding level, do they usually realize they have a problem? That's a good question. I would think not. Okay. I have a feeling that it's, well, I can't say, but... Um, I think there's a something in them saying that they need to get going. Right. Continue. Right. You know, what I've understood about hoarder, hoarding disorder is that 
there is a something in your brain that has changed mm-hmm. and you cannot control this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's whatever, it's, if it's comparable to an obsessive compulsive disorder, I think it's the same thing. You can't really control mm-hmm. what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I guess they are feeling forced to to continue. Yeah. Which is very difficult to comprehend by other people looking at the situation <laughs> because we can still see a lot of things, but the people use it, the, the person who's actually doing the hoarding may not be able to see what we are seeing coming from the outside. No, that's my understanding as well. And what I what I have also heard is that they get into trouble with family and friends who try to help, who mm-hmm. try to clean up, mm-hmm. but they don't allow them. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a huge problem. Mm-hmm. But when we talk about hoarders, that is when, when actually their living space is not really livable. That means mm-hmm. they cannot really move in there. Right. That it's so much clutter everywhere. Yes. But then again, a totally different level. If it's extreme, about, yeah. It's extreme, exactly. Mm-hmm. But when we say collecting and, and common clutter, I would say that is neatly organized somewhere in an attic or in a cellar until you reach the point where you can't fit anything in there anymore. And that's yeah. when they usually come to me. I was going to ask, <laughs> is that when people come to you? When do the people come to you usually? Thank you for answering my well, my question. There, there is a tipping point mm-hmm. and it's different for every person. Mm-hmm. But I would say when you feel you're stuck, mm-hmm. when you feel that I don't know where to start, when the piles has, have grown that big, that you would need help. When you feel that the only thing you're doing when you're at home is tidying, but nothing helps, or it's tidy for two minutes. Right. That is usually the indication that you have too much, first yes. of all. Yes. And second of all, if you cannot tackle it yourself, feel free to call someone like myself yeah. for help. When you feel like, I'm just shifting things around, moving, and then, and then moving, 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 instead of truly letting go and making space more space for life and to allocate the space for life rather than things. Yeah, I guess that's what a lot of people do. And I used to do it myself as well. I was just moving things around the mm-hmm. one pile from one table to another and put some more new things on top. I will do it later. I will do it later. But that later usually doesn't come or you just get so frustrated by, every, by everything you see. And maybe your family members also say, why do we have so much stuff here? We can't even fit around the dining table anymore because there's so much toys and I don't know what. Once you get a system in place and you actually tackle it by minimizing first, mm-hmm. by minimizing, I'm not saying you should become a minimalist. Mm-hmm. By no means. If you want that, that's absolutely fine. And what I like to call, I have my own, personal minimalism which is not necessarily about having as much as less as possible but mm-hmm. having what is what is good for you mm-hmm. what is the perfect amount for you and your family yeah yeah so i think once you realize that it's okay to minimize it's okay to let go of things that have outlived their purpose yeah and they did serve you well in the past so you can then think about different ways and Again, here we have to be sustainable and think about how can we give them a new life if they're still good to use. Mm-hmm. You can donate to so many places. 
or you can recycle or you can sell some things that are maybe more valuable. But yeah. I think also one big issue when people don't want to get ahead, go ahead with, with decluttering is that they feel, well, I've used so much money on this. Why would I want to let it go? But the money won't come back, whatever no. you do with the stuff. <laughs> I understand this uh, from a couple of angles, uh, Helena. So basically, after my mom passed away in 2017, I decided to change of directions in terms of how I want to live my life. And of course, decluttering is uh, a natural process. That was the second decluttering after the first one, clearing my, my family's house. Because of the plan and how I see myself living, I let go 90% of my stuff. In my mind, I, I, I would like to live light. I needed the space to reacquaint myself with life and deep, deep getting deeper into myself because by then when my mom passed away, both parents passed, have passed. So it, it's a new situation for me. Even though I, I was 43 at that time, it was still a huge deal that they no, had no parents. It's a, it was a big deal for me. A couple of things happened because it came from a place, I understand why I'm doing this. The process, and it was the second time I did it, the process was quite uplifting at the execution level, but the the mental process happened months before. <laughs> so not when I was doing it, but I was getting ready mentally and emotionally months before the actual starting time. I was completely mindful about what I bring into my space. So every pieces that was there meant something for me. So it came from travel, there's a story. I know the designer. I know the people who build this, etc. So it was emotional. But what happened that was surprising for me in the process was because I was ready, I was don donating this to a number, a lot of people, strangers. When they came over, everybody took the time to chat with me, which is surprising. And they were praying for my new life. This is also surprising. And they were telling me, who are they going to give this? Oh, my daughter loves this kind of chair. And this comes from my region of the world because this was one of the things that I brought from my travel. This is helping us to connect her in Switzerland with our region. So there was a story behind it. And that was for me, it's like, I'm happy to let it go because it means a lot to them. Uh, but having said this, I also experienced a rather more complicated scenario when I was decluttering my parents' house because the place, the space was big. It was going to be used by three children, me and my siblings. We all have different lifestyle, different preferences, different everything. And we see that house serve us in, in different ways. Mm -hmm. So family has multiple shareholders or stakeholders. <laughs> in the cluttering process. How is the best way to go about this? The first step would be for you to do your things first. I mean, in your case, you did it together with your siblings. So that was a bit different. But usually when, when a client approaches me, there is one driver. That yeah. person is the driving force. And that person I also call my client, even if there's a whole family involved. So what we always do is we start with this person's personal belongings. Got it. And 
what what we say is that tithing is contagious. Mm-hmm. When the rest of your family sees what you're doing and they see the results and they maybe see how you change, they will get interested. And this is so lovely to see with, for example, when I've been working in families and they have small children, they come and they look what we do if they're at home. And they're like, can you please do that to me, to my room as well? Mm -hmm. I would like to organize my dolls or my pens or whatever it is. But it's so cute because they get an interest. Mm -hmm. This is where we need to to really tap into and and use that momentum to get going. Mm -hmm. So once you've done yourself, your own things, you move on if that person is ready to do it. Mm -hmm. So if it's a husband, they probably also get into it. For my husband, it took a bit longer. He was not so ready. Mm-hmm. Even if I tried to say I help you, but um, yeah, so, some people need more time. Mm-hmm. For others, it's super easy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also the way how, first of all, it's about age, mm-hmm. how you were brought up and how old your parents were, because they might have experienced, like in Finland, we had war mm-hmm. in the 40s. They didn't throw out anything because it might be useful one day. Mm-hmm. So this was what they were brought up with. Also, my grandparents, I did never see them get rid of anything. Yeah, they had, yeah. a big ha- had a big house full of, full of things until they passed away. And then their children went through it, the same mm-hmm. procedure as you did with your yes. siblings. But I think that is a different, um, different process when you're actually forced to do it and you're forced to go through some, someone else's things. There, it might be actually also beneficial to involve a third party, like mm-hmm. uh, like um, like myself, uh, a declutterer who could who could then be completely neutral because mm-hmm. you and your siblings are very much emotionally involved. Yes, definitely. With yeah. all the things that you have there, and you might be fighting over some things, or you might not be fighting. It really depends. I think the process is always always different. There's mm-hmm. there's no one one size fits all, and there's no quick fix. Mm-hmm. You you need the time, you need the commitment, and you need to be ready. Yeah, that's because for sure. It might be a huge life transforming thing, like you said earlier when we spoke. Um, for some people, it might even get to you know. Um, you might realize after doing this process that you might want to move or you might want to change jobs or you might want to change partners. Nobody knows what's coming out of it. Yes. It's really profound because it, you you really go, it's an inward, also a healing process as I see it, because you go through your whole past. With that, absolutely. That is, I think, in my word, the hidden benefit that we often don't speak about apart from a tidier, much more comfortable, much more cozy place to live. As my experience has been, the decluttering process is always highlighting state of relationships with yourself or with the people in the house or the people who are impacted by this change within the space. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So it's actually that bit is, I think for me is the biggest benefit because as you said, if it is, if the process is well facilitated, and I say that because it is emotionally consuming, 
totally highly emotionally consuming. If this is facilitated well, not only you feel well in yourself and being in that space, but you also have a, a profound or a renewed relationships with whoever is involved in this whole process. I had a deeper understanding of my siblings after this. I mean, I thought I, we are very close, but I'm closer to them now because I understand better how they think and process things and what is important for them that w- needs to be accommodated or contained in the space that I was that we were clearing. And I can imagine even if you were brought up in the same family, you had very different views. Definitely. Am I right? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And the thir- and you mentioned about the third party. You are absolutely right. In my case, three siblings and my sister-in-law is really into Maria Kondo. So she was reading, she was even trying to get in into the, the, the course in Asia, but it wasn't coming to Asia. So, so, so she was playing this third party for us. And I was saying to myself, and I said to her also, I don't, I don't think we could do it without a third party because this was intense. That was a lot to take care of, 44 years of belongings. And there was a lot of emotional charge up moments. And there were three people, but one person executing. The other two was abroad, but they still owned the house. So it was really, it was really profound. Yeah. What have been your experience in supporting family with teenagers? Because they're partly kids, partly adult, but not really. That's a very good question. And I get that a lot. Um, I haven't worked directly with that many teenagers, but I do have a few tips that might be helpful. And the first one is with your example as a parent, that's the best you can do. So start as early as possible with educating the children and teaching them how to care for their things and and their room, their toys, uh, their things, whatever. But the teenager, if If he or she does not want to do this, you cannot force them. It has to come from within. It's a little bit like with your partner as well or with your siblings. You cannot force them. They need to be really ready within to start this process because a teenager is already in a very fragile state with everything else and huge emotions coming up and they're learning about themselves. They're they're not necessarily there they might not even have the capacity to think about a decluttering project. For them, that is completely irrelevant. When they have these surges of weird emotions coming up, they don't know what to do with them. How could they be interested in in taking care of their their stuff? So I think all we can do is support them. Support, support. Try to do it together with them if they're open for that. Mm -hmm. They might be, they might not. Mm -hmm. In which case, we just need to accept it for the time Mm -hmm. being. But it's interesting that you mentioned the teenagers. I just heard from some from a friend of mine I spoke to last week, and she has a 19-year-old, and he just moved away from home. And she said he was the worst when he was living in her house. Everything was untidy and cluttered. And now when he lives in his own uh, small apartment, he has perfect order, she said. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's interesting. 
So, I mean, you never know <laughs> how they develop. And I think that's why the teenage years are very fragile in the sense you can only support and try to show them how to do it. Mm-hmm. To show them. Mm-hmm. To show them. Yeah. Yeah. To, sh- to be the example, I guess. To be the example. Right. And maybe, hopefully, they will do it later on by themselves. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, for example, the common living area, so living room and particularly living room usually, what would you do when they're not yet open to do this? Would you then assign a specific section just for them and let them deal with their stuff as they want in that particular section? How would you balance this? Because you don't want them to not feel welcome in the living room obviously no absolutely not yes Um, I have a few tips there first of all I would do I would start with a family meeting okay go through what is important for each and every family member in the home Mm -hmm. and then everyone can say one or two things and this is your kind of board of rules for your house and you have to respect everyone's choices whatever they are. For for one, it could be, I want a tidy living room. For one, it could be, I would like your, your coats to, to everyone's coats to be hung up instead mm-hmm. of lying on the floor. Yeah. And for someone else, it might be tidy countertops in the kitchen. You know, it can be whatever. Yeah. Or just that it's clean and tidy and they can relax when they get back home. Yeah. Whatever the rules are. So the family meeting would then give a certain... Um, framework for how the family and the home should look like yeah and after that you could decide so who will be responsible for what Mm -hmm. so maybe if you say I'm interested in in tidying the living area then maybe that person should do the living area Mm -hmm. but this is again depending on what age children you have in your house yeah yeah so just as an example what we do in our house when we have children who are five and eight year old so we do a common tidy up Five to 10 minutes every day mm-hmm. before or after dinner depends on what time it is. And everyone brings their own things that they played with or worked with or read or whatever, but they bring them back to where they belong. Yeah. That's all it takes 10 yeah. minutes yeah. per day. Yeah. And you have this basic order. Yeah. In between, it might get super messy. Yeah. And that's life. And that yeah. should be okay. Yeah. Because we're not living in museums. So during the day, it looks it might look like a, a toy uh, story in our living room, but at the end of the day, it's all tidied up again mm-hmm. and ready to to start over a new day next the next day. Yeah, this reminds me of I never thought about it as a decluttering rule, but this was the habit that my mom instilled in us. There are two things: one, before we all go to bed, let's just make sure that the living room is tidy. So when we wake up we come to a tidy living room and kitchen. And the other thing is when, before we travel, let's make sure the house is tidy. So when we come back from travel, we come back to a tidy house. And I remember not, not, uh, we don't have any resistance. It was just a thing because we start, we, we were asked to do it since we were very young. Yeah. I love those rules. And yes. actually that's the exact same things that I try to teach my children. Yes. It's, it's not so, it's not so complicated. No. Correct. Small things. Yes. Living room, tidy up, 
And the kitchen, usually yes. the parents tidy up anyway yes. after dinner. Yes. And as you say, when you go traveling, it's so much nicer to come back to a yes. home than a messy one. Yes, yes. Because we usually come home with dirty clothes anyway. So I don't want to go into the dirty place <laughs> with the dirty clothes. So it was it was really, now that you're talking about it, and I said, oh, I remember, mom used to do this. And it becomes so normal for us. Yeah. Yeah. And that's again with with the, with the example. You can do so much when you start young. Yes. It's like in, engraved in you. Yes, correct. Correct. It's just a, a normal. It's a bit like making your bed in the morning. It also becomes a habit. Yes. The yes. more you do it, it becomes a habit and it's just part of your day. Yeah. And you start your day right when you just make your bed and it looks nice. And when you come back again, it looks nice. Yes. For you to whether you want to relax on it or not. Yes. Yes. But it gets the day to a good off to a good start. Yes, definitely. I can I concur to that. It's it's a, it's a habit that I keep. But that is that is also what I'm trying to work with my families or my clients. It's about the simple things in life. Mm-hmm. How can you simplify your everyday life so that you can focus on what matters most to you? Mm-hmm. Whether that is your family or your work or everything combined or your hobbies. Mm-hmm. It should be a mix of it of it all anyway. But I think that is that is where uh, or a simple home very in an organized way will actually help this. Because mm-hmm. then when you want to do something, if you want to go with your family on a tour, bike tour or something, you know exactly where you find things and it doesn't take you two hours to find everything. And it it, it really takes the stress off the parents, especially moms when we when we talk about smaller kids. Mm-hmm. It's always the mom who gets all the questions about where everything is. Yes, yes. So if you have an, uh, systems in place where the kids actually know themselves where their things are, it is a huge burden falling off. That's very true. Speaking of coming back to clean, light, comfortable space, is there any correlation between anxiety or depression with clutter that you see? And how do they impact each other? Is clutter making us anxious or is anxiety making clutter or is it both ways? I guess it could be both ways. Mm-hmm. But I think if you are getting towards the depression, you will not be able to keep your spaces tidy anymore mm-hmm. because your your capacity is being taken over by that depression. But mm-hmm. I'm not very familiar on all the the technical parts of how anxiety works together with clutter. I just know that a depressed person can get actually help by decluttering. Okay. Okay. Because it it frees up these happy, um, how do you call them? Serotonin, for example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you tidy, you get energy, Mm -hmm. new energy. um, And this actually helps your your mood. Mm-hmm. So let's say, for example, that I'm in a bad mood or something. If I start tidying, I instantly feel better. Mm. So that is really my personal experience with it. Mm-hmm. I can't say whether it's it's really as helpful when you're when you're already depressed. Mm-hmm. I, I think a depressed person would need help with it. Yeah. And maybe not do it on on his or her own. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to to 
to just to daily common um, issues when you are feeling down or in off some days or some weeks, which which is totally normal. And I've had these periods as well. But I get into the whole tidying process so deeply mm-hmm. that I lose um, completely the the sense of time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's um, it, it's really an uplifting thing to do for yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because you are when you know it yourself when you let go of things you feel lighter yourself yeah for sure for sure so I do think it 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 really affects how you feel overall mm-hmm. and of course when you do this you need to open up windows to get yes. fresh air and drink a lot because it really is a consuming and energy and time consuming thing to do but I would think anxiety definitely would easen up with uh, mm-hmm. decluttering. Growing up, I saw this in my mother and I never made the connection until way, way later in life that it does getting things organized, not only that, making sure that everything or most things that I have in my house is good for me or relevant for me was actually very good for me but this is not an immediate realization even though my mother was very tuned into the being organized being efficient I think her thing was I want to be efficient I have three kids and I don't want to be bonked down into all the the issues (laughs) daily issues so she's very good in creating systems and making that system works and making sure we are following the system (laughs) So, uh, but it's only later that I, I like, actually, I do feel better um, after decluttering. Yeah. And it's also an emotional connection that you have because you begin to see what makes you happy. Yes. And why they do that. Yeah. Why you choose certain belongings over others. Right. And this will then sort of, it's like a philosophy that will spread into different areas of your life. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that will help you also say no to things that are not good for you or that you don't feel good about. Mm-hmm. So it's really about kind of decluttering your whole life. You start with the belongings, but then you might notice that it goes into your relationships and it goes into your work and it goes into everything, your friends, your family, your hobbies, everything you start to think differently about. So it's really a mindset change. Yeah, definitely. And what I've noticed with a lot of my clients is that they say they their shopping habits have changed extensively. Mm-hmm. They don't shop anymore unless they really need something or their kids need new clothes or whatever. Um, but there is a relief in a way. Mm-hmm. And you, you think about sustainability, you think about other values because you really want to choose then something that lasts you much longer than this consumerism of just buying and throwing away. Yeah. And this is this makes me really happy because then they at least they have learned something very valuable and they save money. Yes. In time. Definitely. Definitely. I I I can I can concur to that personally from this experience. Last year in 2020, the fact that I could not travel to meet my siblings in two different continents create some kind of anxiety 
not some kind of, but deep anxiety because connections to them physically is very important. So what I did was um, doing a lot of inner work to let go this this root cause of the anxiety. And at some point, I started to feel like I need a different kind of clothes. And I have not shopped for a good three or four years. So then I have this period of time when I was bringing different colors, different style into many different appearance of physical level. And, but I was very mindful about it. Mm-hmm. It was not like, oh, I need to buy something because no, it's, it's coming from a place I am feeling better. And I feel like the old clothes doesn't, I don't connect with them as I did many years ago, obviously, because I'm in the, I, I move into a different space within myself yes, and, and exactly. And it become really a joyful shopping and joyful in wearing them. And I still, now I'm still even decluttering these clothes from four years ago now, because I realized I don't connect with this anymore. I used to for many, many years, but now no. So that's exactly what you're, I think this is what you're saying. Yes, absolutely. And as we change, we become so mindful of what works for us and what doesn't. Right. And this is also the, the root of, of the whole KonMari method and the philosophy that you or everything you keep is supposed to spark joy. Yes. Which means, and that is also why when you, when you declutter, you need to feel the item in your hands. Mm-hmm. So that you can feel the connection. Mm-hmm. And usually you find this very quickly. Mm-hmm. You might have a, a favorite item, for example, and you can always compare this favorite item. Everyone can pick out one or two favorite out items yes. from the wardrobe. And when you have this, you can always compare it to that other item mm-hmm. if you're not sure about it. Mm-hmm. And it will make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. And as you say, we change and evolve. And what, what brought us joy four years ago might not do that today anymore. Correct. I'm letting go my favorite item for many, many years this weekend. Okay. I was surprised because I was like, I love this dress. I wear it a lot. It is of very good quality. But now I'm like, but I don't connect with it anymore. It's no longer my favorite. And that tells a lot. For me, it's like, ooh, okay, that tells a lot about where you are, where I am compared to before. Yeah, it does a lot. You should be very proud of yourself. <laughs> Thank you. And I mean, also, if you would decide to keep it for 20 more years, that is also absolutely fine. Correct, correct. So correct. it really depends on what we feel happy about. Yes. And what speaks to us. Yes. As long as they don't speak to us anymore. Correct. It's time. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Exactly. It's so like yeah. everything in life. Continues. We, we kind of know when something is not any more part of, of our current life, of the now. Mm-hmm. It, it is the same with our belongings. Definitely. They tell a story. They are, they are needed for a certain time. But once that period is over, there might be a good, good uh, option to, to let go. Yes. And bring in and welcome something else. Exactly. That would it, serve you better. Somebody will enjoy this a lot. Because it's a very good stuff. And I'm, I'm very happy to think with the idea somebody else is going to enjoy it. It's like, I'm happy with that. It's, it's perfect. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone's trash is someone else's treasure. That's it. That's it. 
How do you usually support your clients, Helena? Do you work online now or is it mainly in person? I do both. But the biggest transformations are possible by only being in person with someone. Mm-hmm. And I, I love those sessions because they're profound. They're long. You get really into the other person's life and they yes. start telling you things which you never thought would even happen. Yes. So it's it's very, very interesting and it's very rewarding mm-hmm. because the the feeling that you get after a full day of tidying and you're tired and the person looks you in the eyes and say, oh, I could just cry now. I feel so happy. It is the biggest reward for me. Mm-hmm. And that is why I'm doing this because I love supporting people. Um, I also offer virtual sessions. It is possible to do a few hours of coaching mm-hmm. and go through some things together, but it is a very different process. So there is much more independent work involved. So mm-hmm. I would then give house homework to be done until the next session. So maybe basically we, we do a sort of a coaching session and go through something first together. And then the client will go off and do, do their own work because it's, it's not sustainable to sit uh, in front of a screen for five hours no. while the other one is going through their thing. Their stuff, yes. So, so that's how I've done it. So I do maximum of a couple of hours and then we take a break and then we might come back later on to mm-hmm. check how it's going. Basically for people who would like to know more about decluttering process, lifestyle changes, it's best for them to follow you on your newsletter and, and website. Is that the best yeah. way for them to connect with you? Yeah. The the website has actually just gone through a small facelift. So it's, I hope, a bit more clear on what I offer. So there are all my virtual offers. Mm-hmm. I also do digital decluttering, which is perfect Ooh. to do online. Yes. And I just want to mention this separately because when we go through our physical belongings, many clients ask, so, okay, you go come to photos, which are the sentimental items and the last category of the KonMari method. Then they say, but what about my 50,000 photos on my computer? (laughs) Yes. So I decided to offer also these virtual sessions where we can go through, for example, photos. Okay. Or emails or documents, whatever you have. It's becoming a bigger, bigger issue, the digital clutter. You cannot see it, but you can feel the burden. Yeah. Of full inboxes or full screens or. I need extra drive. Hard drive because I have so many God knows what documents from yeah 2002, <laughs> these and kind it, of things. It's easy. It's easy to go through them, right? but it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. unless you're, you're comfortable saying, okay, I will delete everything until last year. It depends on what you do, if it's work-related or just personal. Mm-hmm. But yes, my offerings are all online on my website. You can sign up for my newsletter or if you like visuals, Uh, I'm also very active on Instagram and I love inspiring there. My Happy Home Zurich. My Happy Home Zurich. And your your website is? Myhappyhome.ch Okay. Myhappy-home.ch Yes, sorry. Myhappy-home.ch Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Helena, for your time and pearl of wisdoms that you don't read in the book. (laughs) 
the insights are so individual. Yes. It's uh, it's something you have to experience yourself. It cannot be read in a book. Yes. Two main things that I gather from our conversation. Number one, decluttering is a life skill. We need to educate ourselves if we haven't been educated for it and be the example role model for our children because this is very, very useful for the rest of our lives. That's the one. And the second thing is just start. Start with your personal space because the impact will go into the broader family. It will trickle down to the the, the living. Oh, the third thing is if it's a family house, have a meeting and discuss about this. Correct. So that everybody's need is accommodated and heard in the process. So three, conclusion. It really is a matter of choosing how we want to live and finding our ideal lifestyle. I think that is that is the most important so that we are happy in our space, in our minds, in our lives. Perfect. Thank you, Helena. Thank you, Astuti. Have a nice day. Thank you. And on that note, everybody, thank you all for being here, for choosing to uplift your life. And as you listen to this episode, please remember to share it with others. Subscribe to this podcast channel and reach out to me via www.upliftmylife.today and Helena at www.myhappy-home.ch when you need support. In the meantime, stay well as you shift your life towards fulfillment. Bye-bye.